Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. This is Kim with Black Free Thinkers. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. I'll say that again. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. We are black free thinkers, but not the Candace and Kanye kind. Okay? So I just want to make sure we got that straightened out. And, oh, man, I didn't get a chance to do a show last Sunday. We had um, kind of an emergency in the family, so we had to deal with that. And it's just... This has been an interesting year. So today is our Happy Festivus 2018 airing of Grievances show. And there's a whole bunch of stuff to be aired out, a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. Um, But it's it's been really interesting. It's been, you know, a good year in its own way, you know. And I guess that just depends on how you define good or bad whether those terms are relative or not. I mean, it just really depends on you. But actually, it wasn't that bad of a year for me. You know, we've had some issues, but, you know, that's part of being human. That's part of being, in my case, an adult and and just trying to travel this road and live and try your best to let live. And so... You know, um, I know some of you are like Festivus. What is Festivus? Festivus is a secular holiday. So it's like, you know, you have Hanukkah, you have Ramadan, you have Christmas, you have all of that. So it's interesting. Um, It was on Seinfeld, but the writer of that particular episode of the Seinfeld, his father made up Festivus. And so he used to say Festivus for the rest of us. So do some research. Look it up on Google. Find more information of it. Um, you got the airing of grievances, the feats of strength, all of, <laughs> all of these things that they made up to make the day, you know, better. You know, instead of a Christmas tree, I think they had a pole. So it's just it's fun. It's something fun. It's something light. It's something airy. You know, something to just enjoy. And it's usually celebrated on December 23rd. So that's how that goes. So this year we were able to schedule the show on the 23rd. Um, you know, I can schedule on the 23rd anytime I want. But anyway, it doesn't even matter. But, I, you know, here I just put in here I have so much to be appreciative of. But also um, so many things to be disappointed about as well. But I just wanted to have some fun on this show today. Um, I am opening up the phone lines. You can call in 310-982-4273. Again, that's 310-982-4273. And all is well. And I just want to say, you know, the show is an open show today. However, when I say open show, I'm not trying to sit here and have conversations about the Illuminati or the New World Order or any of that type of stuff, no conspiracy stuff. I'm not here for that. I'm not here for white people calling in to get 20, 30 explanations of what racism is. You know, I said I was going to stop defining and having these conversations with white people, and I have. And that's why I put these various memes up from time to time so that you can understand that, you know, the questions that you have. The answers are out there. You can Google everything else. You can Google that as well. It's your responsibility to educate yourself. And then what's so interesting is many of them are just trolling. And they would say, well, we just thought that you were nicer and, you know, and, and, and you know, um, patient and all of these things. And I have a lot of patience, and I've tolerated way too much nonsense over the years, you know, even now there are some things that I still tolerate that I absolutely should just nip in the bud. Some things I have. And so, you know, there are some people that I had to walk away from. There are some people I had to push away. There are some people that I'm like, okay, we just need to pause this for a minute. And there are reasons for that. Because one of the things that I've come to realize, you know, I realized this a long time ago, but as I get older, 
you know, I started building on top of that and 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 broadening that particular definition. But um, basically, you know, I have to put myself first. And what I'm trying to do and focus on what I'm trying to do, I was knocked off my focus for a little bit for a few years, you know, and trying to get everything back on track, get everything refocused. I mean, there were some things that I did, but there were some things that I wanted to do that I'm now just getting around to doing it or planning, putting together the plans to do it. And you know what? It's okay, you know, because it's never too late. You know, I I don't believe in that. You know, it's never too late for you to do whatever it is that you want to do. You just have to prioritize. And so I've had to have, have some really hard conversations with people over these last several months. And some people get it. Some people don't. But they'll find out. You know, they'll find out. And it's unfortunate because then they're going to be upset. And I'm going to respond, I told you. This is what was going to be happening um, from this point forward. So moving on from that, yeah, airing of grievances. It's a lot of things that I want to talk about. I'm just going to be spitballing it today. But I did pull a few things up that I wanted to put out there, and I posted them on my wall on my personal Facebook wall, and I put it on the Black Free Thinkers public page, and I also put it on the People of Color Beyond Faith public page, which both belong to me. You know, I own both of those pages. So I just want to make sure that's understood. So over on Twitter, there's this handle, at Nyla the Musical, at N-Y-L-A-T-H-E-M-U-S-I-C-A-L, Again, at N as in Nancy, Y-L-A, T as in Tom, H-E-M as in Mary, U-S-I-C-A-L. And so they put the note out here. If you are a black, trans, gender nonconforming person in New York City who will be food insecure this holiday season, the Okra Project will be providing free personal chef-prepared meals in your home. And all of the chefs are black, transgender, nonconforming folks, and DM her for details. So I just wanted to make sure that you know this and that, you know, I put it up in several places on Facebook. So, and I know I retweeted it on Twitter. So I'm just saying it again uh, at the beginning of the show here. If you are a black, transgender, nonconforming person in New York City who will be food insecure this holiday season, the Okra Project will be providing free personal chef-prepared meals in your home. And all the chefs are black, transgender, nonconforming folks. So go out there, contact her, DM her, and they will make sure that you have food that you're taking care of during this season here. And probably even beyond that, you know, there are different services. So talk to her and the Oakland Project, and they can probably find you even more information about other services that you may be needing. You know, so I wanted to put that out there. And having that in mind, um, I wanted to send a happy holiday out to, you know, those of you that are out there um, that may have lost people over the year, the past several years, who may not be able to be with their family or friends for whatever reasons. You know, I just wanted to wish you a happy holiday, you know, a wonderful new year, and just encourage you to keep pushing forward, to keep moving forward. And I see a lot of the communities are coming together in support of one another, and I think that's beautiful. I think it's wonderful and considering the political and cultural climate that we're living in in America at this time, you know, I think we're going to end up coming together even more, being even closer to one another. You know, 45 didn't do anything. He convinced and, and, and showed, you know, quite a few of us why we need to come together, especially in regards to the black community, the brown community, the LGBTQ community, and why it's needed that, you know, we have some semblance of solidarity and 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 
to a certain degree, all of those groups finding some semblance of solidarity. You know, this is not just black, brown, you know, LGBTQ. You know, there are many other marginalized groups out there. I just didn't say them all. I don't know them all. You have a disabled community. Um, you know, you have women in general. You have your feminists, your womanists. Um, and their issues, and even within some of these particular communities, their issues. Uh, and so, you know, it gets really hairy because you have some people that are like, I'm not supporting this particular group because of A, B, C, D, and E. And I truly understand that. You know, I've made myself quite clear on this show about, you know, why I do not support a lot of these mainstream um, groups and movements. There are reasons for that because they have not dealt with the internal turmoil and chaos that's happening even within their community. And when they do see certain types of base characteristics, base nature coming from folks, it's unfortunate, but you got folks that try to cover it up. And they try to cover it up because they have an agenda, they have a mission, and they See, they don't want to show any type of division. They want to show solidarity, and it's a false solidarity. It's a false unity. It's a false everything because, you know, anyway, we'll come back to this. So anyway, I just wanted to, you know, acknowledge that, you know, given what's happening in this country right now, you know, the stock market is tanking. We're basically at a bear market now. And we told you this was coming, but I don't think this is the real shakeup that, you know, we've been talking about. I mean, this right here should get your attention, especially for those of you that still have 401, uh, 401Ks out there, um, that have these different investment portfolios, you know, you have your IRAs, you have your Roth, you have just a number of things. This is definitely playing with your money, but at the end of the day, you know, the truth be told, the majority of us are not necessarily affected personally by the stock market because we're that 90, 99%. That's not, you know, in the upper echelons. You know, we're we're working class, poor people. You know, if, if you start looking at the way that our system is built up, because I've talked on a show before about the trillionaire class, we do have a trillionaire class now. And so, you know, it's obscene having that kind of money. And, you know, what are you going to do with all of that money? And I still don't understand how, you know, and I'm guilty of this, and I've been guilty of this in the past, of celebrating some of these ultra-wealthy people taking money and reinvesting it back into our communities, you know, money that, that they didn't pay in taxes, and so they're trying to give it back so they can write it off more in their taxes while also dictating to our communities. You know, for example, education. You know, for those that have been listening to this show, I do not believe in charter schools. I do not advocate for charter schools at all. And I have the same sentiments for these, you know, religious schools and most of these private schools. Oh, yeah, side note, I saw a meme going around. Apparently, Umar is going to be announcing on January 1st, 2019, the location and the opening dates for his school, for his, you know, the little school that he's trying to open up. So we'll we'll sit with bated breath waiting for him to announce that information. Mm -hmm. So anyway, you know, these charter schools, do not yield better test results than public schools. I'm definitely a public school advocate. And I feel as though these people, you know, you want to do anything, um, there are ways that you can get involved in the community to bolster different programs out there. Or better yet, pay the damn taxes and we need to basically protest and, and contact our politicians, all of these people, to make sure that the money is allocated properly. You know, children in predominantly black and brown communities, you know, receive less money 
regarding education than the schools, you know, in the surrounding suburbs. You know, schools in affluent white neighborhoods receive substantially more money, and a lot of that is due to property taxes. And I can go in on that, you know, but that's a whole show in and of itself. And I'm laughing because, you know, the show, we're talking about airing of grievances. I air grievances every show. So that doesn't necessarily make this show any different. I know some of you are saying it's so funny because I was going to come on here today and I was going to talk about Frosty the Snowman and how he was a fugitive from justice running around naked, but he wasn't getting arrested. Why? Because Frosty was white. While protecting the little white girl that stole the hat, well, the guy technically lost it, but had that been a little black or brown girl, well, did you knock on every door? Did you knock on every door to make sure that, you know, whoever needed that hat, you know, that they got their hat back? Oh, your mommy doesn't allow you to knock on doors. Why didn't she come out and walk with you to knock on the doors? Well, did you call the police? Did you call the police and report, you know, having found the black hat? So, you know, it's interesting, you know, because it's like now I can't watch any television show or any movie without analyzing, you know, what's going on there. And so I'm laughing because they're running from this guy who wants his hat back. And now, you know, I don't know, in, a, in, in, in some eyes, you know, was a little girl kidnapped and then taking her across state lines on a train? You know, I don't know if putting her in danger. I just have way too much time to think about this shit, you know. So it's just funny, you know. I was talking with my mom, and um, we were laughing, and she said that basically I haven't had a chance to sit down and think about how bored I am down here because I've been too busy running around with her and getting all of her affairs in order, making sure everything is ready and right for her. So it's been interesting. It's been interesting. But um, for those that don't know, the government shut down. And with this shutdown, the Violence Against Women Act expired. And, you know, it's, it's really sad that, you know, all of this is happening. And what's even sadder is that there are some people out here who seem to not care and not understand where that came from and why. You know, women are vulnerable and always have been and always will be vulnerable, especially when you have these patriarchal, paternalistic, misogynist, sexist men and women out here. You know, and it's important that you guys understand What's going on? You know, a minute ago I was talking about schools. Um, for those of you that haven't been paying attention or didn't know or may have heard something about it but didn't really get into it, you know, um, Betsy DeVos is basically telling schools that they should basically partner up with local law enforcement, you know, in a training and in arming school personnel. And you you know, that's been their go-to, you know, with all of these mass shootings happening at these schools. And the Trump administration, 45's administration, is going to rescind a 2014 civil rights guidance aimed at protecting students of color and student with, students with disabilities from discrimination when schools dole out disciplinary actions that push children out of the classroom. And that act came into existence because you had these grassroots organizations out here pushing back about how, you know, children of color, especially black and brown children, but particularly black children, were being suspended and expelled at alarming rates comparatively, right? And so that is what's happening here. So I just want you to go and read and find out and, you know, there are those of us that are still out here um, tripping in our own way about the treatment of the students from Parkland. You know, you have, you know, schools like Harvard bending over backwards, trying to, you know, give those kids opportunities to, you know, come to their schools. I mean, all of that. But what about the little black and brown children that's been out here all this time? that have been talking about school violence, 
that have been talking about the atrocities that they see on a daily basis. You know, even getting from home to school is usually the hardest journey in getting back home. And and when they go into these classrooms, you know, and I've seen this, you know, in inner cities and, you know, schools that we came up in, the books would be old, they'd be written in, you know, missing pages. In some cases, not enough books for everybody to have one. You had to share the books. And it got to the point in some schools that you couldn't even take the books home. And, you know, there were some um, exposés. They would go into the school basement and find boxes of new computers that were never set up in the school. And, I mean, just, you know, you had administrators and teachers, you know, taking the equipment home and it not being made available to the students. I mean, it's crazy. You know, you have Rahm Emanuel and other mayors across the country closing down schools and, and basically taking those schools and repurposing them, you know, selling them to, you know, folks and being made into lofts, you know, um, in some cases torn down. I mean, it just there are a number of issues there. And when you have the students and other activists out there protesting, you know, they're basically dismissed, and especially if they're black or brown. And we won't even talk about the Native American protesters and activists that are out there. So I just, you know, again, we've spoken about this on a number of of occasions on the double standards on how these white student activists and protesters are being treated as opposed to the treatment of the black and brown students and activists that are out here. So... I got a problem with all of that. And we need to amplify their voices. We need to amplify their stories. We need to put that out there. And, you know, you have folks out here that are going to troll you because they have nothing else to do. One, you know, something I've been noticing lately, and it may have been happening before, but it's just started to irritate the hell out of me most recently is like you'll see these stories come to your newsfeed or your timeline. And there'll be horrific stories, and you'll have somebody on there laughing, you know, like the ha-ha. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, this has to be someone trolling. And I'm just, I just look at it, and I just move on. But, um, you know, there have been a lot of things that have been happening. You know, there was a young man in, um, in Pennsylvania, and basically he was targeted. His name was Zahir Martinez. And this was in Pittsburgh. And basically he was attacked because he's transgender. And he had just moved to Pittsburgh from Florida. But after this, he said he's thinking about moving back because there were people who recorded the attack and nobody came to help him. No one called the police. And so he started fighting back. And he got out of the store. And, you know, and I think this was a 7-Eleven. And basically, there was someone who noticed what happened to him and took him to the hospital. You know, what the hell is happening? What are we coming to? The hell? You know, and this is a black young man. And so I wish him the absolute best. I wish him the absolute best. You know, trans people have been hit really hard in this country, you know, and 2018, I believe the latest article I have pulled up was from December 17th, so about a week ago. So there have been 26 murders in this year alone of trans people. And so Kelly Stoff, you know, a black trans activist, was found dead December 7th. I I believe someone else, one or two other people have been killed since then. So, you know, this is subject to me not having all of that information in front of me. But Kelly was from Detroit. And I believe it was the minister who was arrested for killing, um, you know, this this woman. And so um, let me see here. Let's see here. Amber Monroe was killed in 2015. But, you know, I'm reading an article and it's talking about that. Um, 
I want you guys to know that, you know, these things are happening. We need to amplify these stories as well. And we need to, you know, uplift trans community, especially black trans people and what they're going through, you know, because they're they're getting it and they're getting hit hard from a number of directions. And I really do think we need to uplift them and um, let them know that they're loved and that they're valued and they're appreciated. And don't call wanting to debate all that crazy shit because we're not having turf conversations here today. You know, I'm not down with that. None of that there. You know, leave people alone. Let them live their lives accordingly and you live your life however way you see fit. You know, but, you know, we've talked a lot about black women and what we've had to deal with and what we still have to deal with in today's society. And, you know, there were a couple of stories that have come out most recently. There were a couple of young black girls that have been killed, you know, in Chicago. And from my understanding, you know, some of their organs were missing. Now, you know, a while ago, I remember there were many people dismissing these types of reports and stories, trying to dismiss them as um, conspiracies or what have you, but this has been happening. This is not every case, but this is what's happening. And, you know, the media, when they reported it, they left some things out of it. And I'm going to assume this is because the police requested it so as to not put too much information out there while they're hunting for whoever, you know, um, performed this horrific crime. You know, but it's interesting because the percentage of crimes and murders you know, perpetrated on black people, they largely go unsolved. And so, um, you know, my heart goes out to this family. Her name is Sardaria Davis. She was 15, and she lived in East Garfield Park, which is on the west side of Chicago. And basically, you know, they found her body six blocks away, and... You know, some people said her fingers were cut off and some of her body parts were removed, you know. And um, they say she was friends with Kanika Jenkins, another Chicago teenager whose body was found in a walk-in hotel freezer at the Crown Plaza Hotel in Rosemont in September. So um, I'm not sure what the hell is going on up there in Chicago. But... You know, we have to protect these black and brown girls. We have to protect black black girls and, and black women. And it's a shame what's happening out here and how it's not getting amplified and getting the press that it deserves. You have black women going to jail for voting, whereas you have these white people out here doing some of the most horrific shit and getting probation or getting, you know, time served for the two days that they, you know, sat in the local jail. You have all of these things happening. You know, you have people saying that this is the best economy ever, but homelessness has gone up again this year. They don't want to talk about that. They don't want to talk about how they're forcing these people to take down their tents chasing them away from the places that they find under the viaducts, how they've taken away funding from, you know, a number of um, organizations that provide shelter and food, housing, all of this, you know, um, transient, all of that transient housing to help them get back on their feet, you know, and, and, and most importantly, you know, <laughs> they're not even amplifying the stories of the different cities that are going, you know, that develop programs to help the homeless. You know, in Colorado, they're taking some of the money from the sales of marijuana to help the homeless. You, you know, there are different stories in different parts of the country. 
And these stories need to be amplified. So I would, you know, ask you to go out and take a look to see what's happening. But, um, again, you know, you have the homeless people that are being harmed in Chicago. They, you know, um, closed down a number of mental health care facilities. And basically you have people out here raising funds and opening their own centers and finding ways to help others, you know, um, finding different ways to provide these services to the people that need it. You know, um, for those of you that are in Chicago still, um, Chicago Housing Authority has opened its wait list for public housing for the first time in four years. I put that out on the pages. Go and take a look at that, share that with folks. But Chicago is losing a lot of people. A lot of us have moved on. We've moved away. And, you know, it's a beautiful city. But it's just too much going on up there. And then, you know, I moved away for another reason. I needed to come back home. But it's interesting because in Chicago, a lot of the um, federal, a lot of the housing that they had up there, they built them initially in really nice areas right off the beach. And when they discovered how valuable that property was, you know, they did everything they could to get those people out of that housing. Many of the buildings they tore down, some stayed and they turned into, you know, they renovated it and turned it into mixed housing. Otherwise, they found people vouchers and pushing a lot of folks out to the suburbs There was a lot of racism and discrimination in regards to Section 8 um, certificates and who would take them, who would not, and who they would take it from. So, you know, it's it's, it's just a lot going on, and there's so much to talk about, you know, that you really don't know where to start. But what I will say is it is incumbent that of us, on us, that we go out and we vote. And I had vacillated after 2016 whether I was going to vote or not, you know, but I went on, you know, after 2016, and I voted anyway, and I voted, you know, um, in this past primary, not primary, this past, um, when we just had to vote for our senators and representatives and the mayor and you know, the dog catcher and all them folks, you know, your local elections. And even when I was vacillating, I was saying that I would vote locally, but I wasn't sure if I was going to continue voting um, on the federal elections. But I decided that it was important that I continue to do that. So I'm just going to, you know, share that with you. But, you know, Jamel Bowie, and I put this meme up on my wall, and he basically tweeted out, honestly, the strangest thing right now is folks speculating about which white dude will be the 2020 nominee after a midterm election cycle where Democratic primary voters went wild for women and candidates of color. And that's true. You had the Avenatti guy who was saying that it was going to have to be a white male that went toe-to-toe with Donald Trump. And right now, Avenatti is building a whole different type of situation over there. But I don't believe that he has necessarily changed his mind about running. I think he's just kind of laying low to let, you know, to kind of let things die down a little bit. But what Jamel Bowie said was absolutely correct. Look at what, you know, some of these other people have been able to achieve, like Stacey Abrams. You know, Gillum. And dare I say, Beto O'Rourke. And you have the, you know, the Castro guy from Texas that wants to run. And I believe that Kamala and Cory Booker are, you know, chomping at the bit to run. Um, You have Elizabeth Warren, you know, you've had Joe Biden. You have a number of people. But, you know, it seems as though everybody is being dismissed but white men. And, you know, there's even speculation that Bernie may run again. You know, there's speculation that Hillary may run again. 
So anyway, I just want you guys to pay attention. I'm trying my best not to go off on a rant with that alone. Um, you know, each and every last one of the names that I've called is problematic in its own way. You know, and I just wish that we had, you know, four parties or what have you to choose from. You know, for those that haven't been paying attention, or even if you have, you know, look at what's happening over in Paris, you know, and and what's taking place over there. You know, there were some there were some articles out there that basically stated that the police and other entities were saying that they may join the protesters because you know their pay is lacking, you know, and that they're being mistreated in other ways as well. So that's going to be interesting. And you see the mess that's happening over in Great Britain with the Brexit and with Theresa May. And I don't feel sorry for Theresa May at all. However, um, what I will say is, regardless, she was screwed. Regardless of if she was able to make it work or failed horribly at trying to make it work, she was screwed. And, you know, there was some speculation, some, you know, some scuttlebutt saying that, she commented, well, let them all starve, you know, and I would hope that she's not that callous, but you never know. You never know. And, oh, yeah, I need to correct myself. I'm switching off on you guys. I need to correct myself. On my last show, I was going off about Alyssa Milano um, demanding that Tamika and Linda and Joe and all of them that they basically um, – Denounce Louis Farrakhan, and I was talking about Mark Lamont Hill, and I thought he had denounced Farrakhan, and apparently he had not. So I posted that on my wall, and he said he had no plans to denounce Farrakhan, saying I ain't got the luxury of throwing people away who love throwing people who love us away, right? So I posted that up there. So now it's something that I want to clarify. Okay. So when I was going off about, you know, them trying to make these folks denounce Farrakhan, I believe I also stated that, you know, they don't denounce people that are problematic in their communities. And that is the angle, you know, I was coming from. Now, in regards to Farrakhan, Farrakhan is problematic on a number of levels, you know, uh, especially in regards to LGBTQ, you know, people of color, black LGBTQ people, and also in regards to black women and his fundamental beliefs behind that. And, and, you know, there are conversations that can be had about why his support in the black community is so strong. And we can tie a lot of that back to the patriarchy paternalism or patriarchy, right, that is basically embedded in the black community, you know, as well as the homophobia, the transphobia, and all of these things here. You know, that takes, you know, um, that's, that's, you know, that would be a deep conversation. So I just wanted to say that, you know, while I was, you know, having an issue with these people you know, basically being forced or people attempting to force them to denounce Farrakhan. When I was talking about that, I was not saying it in a sense that I agree with everything that Farrakhan has to say. I'm just saying, why is it that black people are held to a different standard and we have to denounce people in our community that they don't like, but they won't denounce people in their community that we don't like? And the conversation about Farrakhan and the things that he says and does that are problematic, these are issues that have been discussed within the black community. Do I believe we should have a wider conversation about it? Sure, yes. Why not? Why not? You know, because, you know, there are a lot of black people that are being hurt by a lot of that, you know, rhetoric. But at the same time, 
we should not have to denounce people when they're not willing to denounce their own. And in the particular article that I posted on my wall, you know, it was talking about white people not, you know, denouncing folks like, you know, Rush Limbaugh and Coulter, even Dinesh, you know, his race, racist ass, you know. And, I, oh, that reminds me, you know, I put up an article talking about the racism, you know, um, from East Indians, right, and was talking about the Hindus and the caste system and how all of that came about. And it was talking about how that particular system in India um, is tethered to a certain degree to the system that we're dealing with here in America. And so, you know, why they are embracing Donald Trump, why they are supporting 45, and how all of that is tied together when you go back and you look at the history of it. Because even if you go back and you read some of the history about Gandhi and the racism, you know, that, um, you know, that was in him, you know, you know, there were some things I had to learn because, you know, 10 years ago, I didn't know that. And so I had to go and study and learn, which is why you always hear me talking about books on this show. Books, books, books. And reading and learning and learning from other people and going back and correcting things when you've made a mistake or you misunderstood something and being open enough to to learn. You know, that's extremely important. And so something that happened in Chicago, there was this young man by the name of Gerald Reed, and he's been in jail for 28 years for a crime that he says he did not commit. Now, for those of you that have been around, I interviewed Gerald's mom on the show. If you go back into the archives, you'll be able to find that interview. And I'm just happy that the judge has ordered a new trial for Gerald. And I hope they're getting him all the medical attention that he needs because for those that are familiar, you know, in Chicago, we had Birch, it was the police commander. And basically um, what he was doing was having his police officers, you know, beat these young men and some women, beat them into false confessions, John Birch. And, you know, one of the controversies was when he moved to Florida, he was receiving his pension. It was just a lot happening. And he was the leading detective artist, you know, I think I said commander. So, well, yeah, they called, they considered him um, the commander, so I was right. And, you know, there have been some reparations made due to the abuse that was prevalent under his command. And so they were talking about his mom, Amanda Shackelford, and how she just, you know, collapsed on her walker in tears, you know, and, you know, she's happy, and, you know, because she was pushing, she was pushing, she was hoping, and I have to send a shout-out to Frank and everyone over at CPAC, and, you know, they've been working with her, they've been out there protesting, they've been demanding, and they made some wonderful progress in Chicago some wonderful progress in Chicago. And so, you know, I'm really happy to see this. And, um, you know, they're trying to drop the case, you know, and um, we'll see. We'll see, you know, and I hope that they drop it, drop all the charges and release him from prison. So I think that's wonderful news. If you didn't know about that, it's on my wall. And, um, you know, I just think that that's wonderful. So I wanted to share that with you. So let me see here. I don't know. It's just a lot going on, you know. And um, my whole thing is, you know, just telling everybody to be themselves. I posted this one meme talking about being mean to racists. Yeah, stop giving a fuck about their feelings. You know, 
same thing, sexist, misogynist, you know, anyone else. And I'm laughing because I, you know, made a comment about white atheist feminists on the last show. And um, and so I was talking to someone, and, <laughs> and she was like, oh, so they were mean to you? I'm like, no, they weren't mean to me. You know, I said, they're running around here, you know, listening to people that are, you know, telling half-truths and untruths. But that's fine. I'm really okay with that. And I said, if anything, they're upset because I talk about how fake, you know, how fake they are, you know, how they were trying to capitalize off of social justice and trying to tether themselves to Black Lives Matter in addition to, um, you know, basically going into a white male-dominated community and attempting to take over. Now, I used to say they were trying to, you know, work within that particular community to try to build a better community. But if you go and you look at some of the destruction that was done by them, now, when I say that, a lot of the men that were exposed deserved to be exposed because their behavior was horrible. But there are some women doing the exact same thing. And they're saying absolutely nothing about it. As a matter of fact, you know, one particular woman that's a damn sexual predator, they're supporting this woman to to basically be heralded and, and to um, ascend to the top of some, you know, white organization, right? But I don't understand. You want them to get rid of a white male sexual predator, but you want them to replace him with a black woman sexual predator. How does that work? That's just me. Trying to understand what's happening. So I'm kind of mean to everybody pisses me off. And I mean, I've even been, you know, I've been nicer about things over the years. Well, I was nice then. And then it progressively went downhill to the point now where I have absolutely no patience for the bullshit. And so I was having a conversation with a friend. And, uh, you know, we talked about that particular situation. I put another meme on my wall, and it was, you know, a man, you know, and again, you know, a lot of these organizations that I've been, you know, I don't even really want to say a part of, but I was, you know, kind of connected to them, were white male-dominated movements and, and, and communities, right? And so basically... When you had the feminists, the white feminists coming in, especially, you know, the men tried to, you know, downplay the word feminism, you know, and said, well, why can't you just be, you know, a humanist? Why can't you just be an atheist? Why can't you just be an agnostic or what have you? And, you know, why do you have to be feminist? You know, then they try to say it's divisive. You know, we should just all be one. And, of course, the white feminists pushed back on that and talked about how there were some feminist issues that needed to be addressed. But then these same white feminists will turn around and ask the black feminists, why can't you just be feminist? Why must you be black feminists? And tell them that they're being divisive. And so the trick that they're doing now, well, well, no, let's start about what was happening then. And then at Another point in time, they were saying, well, you know, you should just, you know, uh, rally under being atheists. Can't say that you're a faithist. Can't say you're a atheist. You can't say you're a humanist. All of that they, they considered bullshit. They wanted everybody to be atheists. And firebrand atheists at that. And then 
somebody got kicked off their throne because they were a sexual predator and a jackass and a racist. So now they're trying to rebrand themselves as humanists. And you're seeing that. I'm seeing that in a lot of the different cliques in that community and trying to say unity. Now, you all have heard me going off about the church, and especially with some of these prosperity gospel churches, mega church, you know, mega churches, and all of that shit, and how it's a pyramid scheme. The same thing is with these white male dominated communities, whether it's the atheist community, whether it's the humanist community, whether it's the Satanist, whether, you know, in, you know, just a lot of these different communities, they're nothing but pyramid schemes. And the way that they're built and set up is to get you to come in and become a member and become, you know, a dues-paying member. They want you to come to their conferences. They want you to buy their books, all of these things. And the only people that are really benefiting from it are the people at the top of the pyramid. And if you go and you start looking at the history, there's a lot of scandal happening in those communities. And the same thing is happening in the feminist community. It's just that a lot of that doesn't make national news. And, you know, there's some sexism and misogyny behind that as well. And so I just find it interesting when the tax, certain tactics are used on white feminists, how they turn around and try to use that on black people. But, yeah, it's, it's a lot happening. It's a lot that's not being said out there. Um, and it's a lot being hidden. And then you have someone like me that has no damn problem coming out and saying whatever you know, and it's it's been interesting because, you know, they're not quite sure what to make of it, and they sure as hell don't know what to do with it, you know. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, I was talking to my friend Jen, and so she gave me a quote. And, you know, we were talking about these white people that like to capitalize, manipulate, and exploit you know, black people. And so she said, you know, basically when they get angry with people, especially someone like me who don't give a damn and will call them all out and will call them out by name, I I don't care. You can fucking sue me. I will counter sue your ass. Oh, yeah, talking about lawsuits. Stop believing those lies that they're telling you. That lawsuit was dropped because of me. And it was dismissed without prejudice which means I could have refiled the suit. They didn't win shit. I let it go because my mother was dying. She was sick, and I had to deal with that. And I didn't have time to play with their nonsense. So you can keep believing the lies if you want to. And you know what? And I'm okay with that because, again, I don't get on here and I don't talk about these things. But they're lying, and there's a few other folks out there lying. And so I just find it interesting because, you know, some of these people, some of you call them bad people, and I wouldn't necessarily call them bad people. I would call them desperate because what happens is they'll find someone like me that knows how to do certain things. And they would say, well, let's partner up. Let's do A, B, C, D, and E. And I get it all set up. You know, we do some work together, but the majority of the heavy lifting is left to me. And then once everything gets in place and starts functioning and we see that it's making an impact, then they want to find reasons to take the project and walk away with it. And when I say no, they get angry because it was never their intention for it to be a partnership in the first place. It was their intention for me to do the heavy lifting and to put this thing together, and then they were going to finesse it away. 
And what's interesting about with one of these particular projects, you know, two days after the completion of one of our proof concepts, basically they were sending emails to someone um, trying to figure out um, basically how to deal with me. So it was never your intention. And this is why I have no respect for you. And what's funny is they're telling people that they're angry with me because of one reason. And that's not the reason why they're angry with me. Something totally different. But I'm okay with it. And I've chosen to not say anything for a reason. So, and, and it's just so funny because people are just, prone to finding a way to project bullshit onto other people, but trying to spin a story in their favor, you know, and, and and folks just go for, oh, we don't know her, or she won't talk to us, or she talks shit about us, and we don't like what we what she says, so therefore we don't like her. Well, we like you, and you don't like her, and that's good enough for us. And I'm okay with that. My whole thing is you've made a decision, and I'm going to make you stick with that decision. So anyway, as I was talking to Jen, and we were talking about things, she gave me a quote. She said, and this is coming from white people who get angry because they cannot exploit, manipulate, or capitalize off of black people, or they get some pushback. And she said, don't these, and this is the white people saying this. Right? This is what white people are saying and thinking. Don't these N-words know that we care about them on our terms? If we can't capitalize off of their misery and become activists on their behalf and make money off of it, what's the point? And like I said, police are still beating up black and brown men, women, boys, and girls, still have wealth inequality still have a school to prison pipeline. We still have all of these social justice issues. I ain't seen that article, especially when you feel miserably trying to delve into this quote-unquote resistance, which is yet another movement that was started by, <laughs> created and maintained by black and brown people, mainly black people, mainly black women. You know, and that's why I was going off about Alyssa Milano. And Alyssa has corrected people, you know, and, and given credit to Tarana Burke. But when these publishers and these editors and these journalists go out here and, and they make it about you, it is up to you to write, to, 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 to correct them. Period. But in addition to that, Alyssa, you don't have the authority or the right or the power to demand that these other folks step down. They worked hard putting that together. You know, even the young woman that got on her Facebook and said there should be a women's march. Okay, you put the idea out there, but they put the work into it. They put the work into it. Just because you came up with the idea, idea of something, or you may have coined a, a term or whatever, if these other people breathed life into that bitch and brought it alive and made it work, what makes you think they're going to easily hand it over to you? I would advise them not to do it. You didn't know what to do to make it work. You sure as hell don't know what to do to organize and how to make it happen. So what now? Right? So, huh, you know, um, it's interesting about some of these same people they try to finesse you. You know, they also try to hide behind plausible deniability. So what they do is they get other people to go out and do the dirty work for them and try to act as though they can lift clean hands when they can't. So I put a meme on my wall, it was, and it was talking about people holding grudges against you for shit that they did. You know, it's always interesting when um, some of these same people 
they're angry, they're angry with you because they fucked up. You made your move too fast, huh? You made your move too fast and the shit backfired on you. And you walked away with nothing after lying. And you're still lying. Don't feel bad for you. I don't feel sorry for you. I can't do shit for you. And you can still kiss my ass. So, there are my airings of grievances. But 2018 is so much more. But that's what I felt like saying today. You know, there was an article that I put on my wall. It said, next year, let me see, what's the title of this article? Next year, let go of the people who weren't ready to love you. And what's interesting is is that, you know, I started another project, and there were some difficulties there. And I remember specifically saying that I was not going to do everything and carry that whole load by myself. And that I was not going to allow people to put me in a position whereas I'm having a stroke or having ulcers trying to make something work that just won't work. And it's really interesting because when you point out what's problematic, you know, of course people don't see it that way, you know, not on their end. But when the central core of the mission shifts from the work to the emotional labor and the instability or what have you of personal issues, it's a problem. And that's not what I signed up for. And so I've paused things for a reason. And I know, you know, a couple of you are like, well, you won't answer. You won't take the calls. You won't respond to the text messages. None of that. Nope. When I get to the point that I'm drained, and I've been drained a few times behind this, I'm not going to deal with it. Does it make you bad people? But I'm protecting myself. Because it's not my job to deal with that. It's not my job to fix that. And so when that becomes the focus... I have to step away. And considering everything that's going on in my life, you know better. You know, and that includes, you know, other, um, you know, other situations that I'm just backing away and letting go. especially when you feel like you're the only one working at trying to make something work. You just have to step back sometimes and let it go. And if it works out, it does. If it doesn't, that's okay too. But people have to understand you're not responsible for saving other people. You're not responsible for carrying other people. You are not responsible for making sure that everything works perfectly in this world for other folks, especially when your your world is falling apart and you're just trying to hold things together. And sometimes you just don't have the energy to give anybody. There are days when you don't have the energy to give yourself. And so I remember talking to a friend about some of some, you know, just life in general, and she used to call these people emotional vampires, emotional leeches, and they want to suck all of yours up, 
and they think that's okay, even when you have nothing to give yourself. And, you know, that's selfishness. You know, and I've had to let go of some people because when I give when I give more of a damn about you and your life than you do, then it's a problem. And there's no other way to say that. And so that's why I'm working on some things, putting together a documentary, you know, and you know, it's you know, I'm gonna have a really good time putting that together and doing that, you know, doing the research now and some of the other projects that I want to put out there. But I'm living my life. I'm having a good time. I'm doing what I got to do, taking care of home, making sure everybody's comfortable and happy or as happy as they can be. Because, again, it's up to you. This is my opinion. It's up to you to find some type of happiness within yourself. The other people that come into your life, they can make you happier. They can add on to what's already there. But if it gets to a point where all they're doing is taking away from that happiness, then they're bringing misery in your, into your life, and you got to let them go too. So, anyway, that's that. I'm done talking about it. It's been an hour of me airing grievances. Uh, I think I may do a show next week, things that we need to let go of in 2018. And one of the things we need to let go of is thinking that everybody is white. You know, sometimes when I read some of these articles and read some of the comments, especially coming from white people, you write it as though you're talking to a white audience. And a lot of that is because many of you have grown up around all white people, have been educated with primarily all white people. Your social circles, uh, sir, social circle, white, professional contacts, white. Your mates, your world, white. And when a black person comes around, oh, wow, where did they come from? And, and it's interesting when you decide to take some interest in them. You know, you treat them, you don't treat them like a human being. You treat them like a project. All of that needs to be left in 2018. And a whole bunch more. So anyway, this is Kim, Black Free Thinkers. We're here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. And you all enjoy your Sunday and your week. Take care. Happy Festivus. All right, y'all. Bye.